across in the same podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Today, our guest is Andrew O'Neill from Free Flow Outdoors. Uh, I got to know Andrew O'Neill a little bit when he was doing a documentary series for us uh, for our organization, Trout Power. Super talented guy. He lives out in Laramie, Wyoming. And today we talk a little bit about some of the great places on the on the planet that he's fished, some of the cool people he's done some work for, uh, and also his bucket list. And for somebody that lives as free flow as he does, he still has a pretty cool bucket list. And I'd like to share some experiences with him on some of his great adventures that are yet to come. However, in this podcast, we did have a little bit of an audio delay because I was in upstate New York and he was in Wyoming. So right around halfway or so, you can see that you can hear that uh, Andrew kind of gets ahead of me a little bit in regards to what I'm saying. But nonetheless, the content is so good and so rich. I just I didn't want to re-record this because it was just too much fun. Um, So here we go in the seam with Andrew O'Neill from Free Flow Outdoors. We are also going to add some links and pictures to this uh, on Facebook of some uh, pictures and, and links to his other wonderful video creations. So here it goes. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, yeah, can you hear me? I can. Perfect. Awesome. All right, well, this is my ritual. I walk over to the beer fridge and I grab a beer. Oh, perfect. I walk over here to the counter and pop it. And now we are going to begin our podcast. Very well. I, uh, and- I I figured you might be having a beer for this, so I went and grabbed one, but I did already open it. But I am having a course. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, Andrew O'Neill, welcome to In the Scene Podcast. Thanks for having me. It is really exciting to talk to you. I love, uh, I love catching up with you every time um, I see you on social media. I'm, like, super, super jealous. So <laughs> it's been we a while. Have, we've, got, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, but the first thing I'd like you to do is quick reader's digest kind of bio on yourself where you came from your business what you do what you love can you can you go ahead yeah so uh i grew up not far from you in uh sequoia new york um started uh going to college out there and then uh when i was 19 i transferred to the university of wyoming um for no particular reason other than having an interest in hunting and fly fishing and snowboarding and Getting somewhere out west seemed like a cool place to do it. So uh, uh, UW ended up being a cheaper option for school. So uh, I moved out here and went to school and started up a uh, kind of just a little independent photography and videography business after school that I've been doing ever since and living out here ever since. So I've been doing a little bit of guiding for hunting and fishing as well. So, yeah. That's cool. And I, uh, I know you was being doing the video and stuff too. Do you, you've been doing regular photography as well? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It's usually just supplemental to, uh, you know, video packages I do for clients, but I, I kind of do that separate. I sell some canvas prints and stuff like that. Okay. That's cool. So 
you didn't plug your business. What's the name of your business? <laughs> I didn't know if we were doing it at the end or what. It's uh, Free, Flow, Free Flow Outdoors, um, F-R-E-E-F-L-O-W. But, uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that good stuff. We have uh, we do commercial work. I do stuff for clients, and then I have the uh, little web series that we do. We do hunting and fishing videos, kind of just for fun, but... Yeah, and are those on? Uh, those are on Vimeo, right? Yep, Vimeo as well as YouTube. And I'm, uh, I'm actually it's Free Flow Motion. Or no, I changed it. I'm sorry. Yeah, Free Flow Outdoors on both Vimeo and YouTube. Okay. Well, I will make sure that I link to them, uh, and love watching them. So you also work. You work on a project with me, right? Yep. And uh, and I will let everybody know that. Um, Andrew and his company helped us with a documentary on trout power. It was a lot of fun. Took us a lot of time because the story evolved, right, Andrew? Mm-hmm. Oh, we, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we, you know, um, so you did, how, how many filmings did you do? Uh, I came out for two summers, right? And then you sent me a bunch of footage that you guys had got. Um, I think the fall at the last the fall yeah. after the last time I was out there. So, yeah, I think I came yep. out for two trout powers in a row. That, and that fall stuff was stuff I did. How did I do? Did I get like a B plus? Yeah, How I'd that? say. I'll give you a B wow, plus. Good. Sweet. <laughs> no, I, I thought, don't really no, I came out pretty good. I'd... Yeah, I thought, I thought you did good. So, the, as the story goes, um, this documentary movie uh, is about us discovering a new – strain of brook trout up in the Adirondacks. A lot of fun doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, And Andrew, I've got to talk to you about this on the side because the, uh, the group is interested in kind of releasing that kind of as like an independent film, maybe on, on Amazon or something. Okay. Um, So I don't know if you've had experience doing that, but that is something that I think we want to do. Yeah. I I haven't done it yet, but I've, I've looked into Amazon. So, okay, cool. So um, I would like you to maybe tell a little story about filming this footage, right? Where we were way back in kind of East Palm Chuckahoe out in uh, the Racket Lake area. What's your best trout power filming story? Any, anything. I, I mean, we had a lot of fun tipping them back in the evenings too. But right. <laughs> <laughs> give, me, give, give us a story about, about filming the footage and, and what that experience was like, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um... I think uh, what stuck out to me because uh, the first year when I got there, I didn't really know what to expect. Didn't didn't really know you that well yet, or or anyone there. And uh, so I was just like, huh, I wonder wonder what we're getting into up here. And uh, I just remember that first day you were talking about someone had to go way back and you know up where other people might not want to go and and go bushwhacking and all this stuff. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, oh, this sounds right up my alley. And so I'm just kind of sitting there waiting to see whose hand goes up. And uh, that was when uh, Dom and I met Tim and Jimmy and uh, followed those guys up into Lost Brook there. And uh, I think oh, we ended up going up there twice, uh, the first year and the second year. But, yeah, that first year, taking the canoe up there with those guys and, and bushwhacking around, catching a few fish. And that was uh, that was pretty memorable and, and weirdly enjoyable for me. And I, I think all that footage that came out of that was was pretty cool. And uh, ended up being a cool way to start that video. So I think uh, yeah, that, that little trip sticks out to me the most. But, uh, I mean, I always have a great time with everything. Every time I'm up there, it's just a beautiful area. It's always 
great people that you're working with. And yeah, it's just been a, a lot of fun to work on. Yeah. So there, uh, remember that night that we were watching some of the footage? I don't know if it was the first night or the second night. Remember that one shot that you got looking up that rapid and there was some behemoth yes. thing? Yeah. That was, it was a fish. Yep. And if anybody, when we release this film, we'll have to, we'll have to say, we'll have to point it out to kind of like a secret, a little secret to this video Easter egg is you got, yeah, a little Easter egg. You got to look like down on the left-hand corner at like 37 minutes and six seconds. What the hell was that? Do you have any I'm idea? not sure. I, wasn't there uh, suckers or something spawning in that creek then? That was my only guess. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah, that thing, I, the way it was swimming up through that current looked like an Atlantic salmon to me or something. <laughs> I know. It was a big fish. And I know just that. So, and, and when everybody – we're, we're, probably, we're probably teasing up pretty good now. Everyone's going to want to watch it. But <laughs> seriously, that thing was huge. That fish's tail – Yeah. That, that, that fish's tail had to be six, seven inches and we, tall. we never even saw yeah. it when we were filming. We didn't realize it was there until we got back and looked at the footage. That is so cool. So cool. Well, the camaraderie and stuff of uh, of all of us getting together and trying to do good work, you know, and find these fish and stuff is kind of part of it. It was really a great experience meeting you and having you help to to make this film. I for, just in case anyone is interested too, I will say that you it, it is a big task to take on, but Andrew, you are. Very talented and made it very easy. You, um, I was worried that you were going to get really pissed at me about, you know, edits and stuff, but you always, you were really cool about it, you know, and you took care of stuff really fast. So I am plugging you here that if anybody wants to, to use you to make a, any kind of film and our film was pretty long it ended up being 40 minutes, yeah. I think. Yeah. It was the longest one I've done so far. Yeah, and, and it's good. I mean, we got a lot of good. There's a lot of great content in there that's not boring, and we've had enough people watch it that they could complain if they wanted to, and then mm-hmm. we, and they did a little bit, but then of course we mm-hmm. fixed it all. But <laughs> so, how it goes. so that is how it goes. <laughs> so, um, moving on that topic in regard to some other cool films you've done, I've seen a lot of the stuff you've done. I want you to um, I want you to pick a couple more of some other. Uh, films you've done that maybe people can listen to this and then go and watch them. What are some interesting stories you have of making some of the other, some of the other short films? Um, so I can I have two that kind of stick out to me. Uh, the other stuff's kind of more commercial, maybe a little more boring. But uh, the the uh, Bahamas film, the bonefish film that I worked on with Will Benson, World Angling, was a big one. And um, same thing with him. Um, uh, he had a, ran a contest where um, it was a photo contest, and the winner got to come down and fish with him for three days. And uh, it was for kids uh, 17 and under. So the kid who ended up winning um, was from Washington, never been saltwater fly fishing before. And uh, he came down and caught a, caught his slam, caught a tarpon, a permit, a bonefish. So we just made a little video on that. So that was a really fun three days. And then with that, same uh, company, World Angling, we went down and uh, did a documentary with a guy by the name of Tom Caro, who was a researcher at the University of Waterloo in Canada, and he was working on a, uh, a PhD project and uh, kind of recruited us to be the film crew for it, which ended up morphing into a 
bit of a bigger documentary, uh, which we called Ghost Stories. And that we filmed, or I was involved anyway. They, I think they filmed it a third year, actually. And they're kind of still working on editing everything. That's not out yet? Uh, I think he's released it at the Bonefish and Tarpon Trust Symposium. It's played there. But I don't think really? it's available online awesome. right, uh, just yet. Okay. So the so are of the ones that you're mentioning, are those available on your Vimeo and stuff or no? Um so the one with the uh the kid who won the contest, that is called Knocking on the Door, and that is on the World Angling Vimeo page. So if you just go Vimeo.com slash world angling, um you'll see it right okay. there. Um yeah, that was one I did through right. I don't have that one on my, my YouTube channel. And uh there there should also All be right. uh there's also trailers for the ghost stories project and stuff like that on there too. Well, make sure when we're done with this, send me, send me some links. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I will. And I want to, I want to post those in, uh, on the, when I send this out on Facebook, I'd like people to, to see that yeah. and hear that. So, um, but, uh, you're also an avid hunter yep. and man, I see. Holy yeah. hell. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's been the, the dominant Jeepers. thing the last couple of years. I think, uh, my my video career was kind of founded on fly fishing projects, and I was kind of immersed in that for a couple of years. And like I've made, I, not to say I've given up fly fishing by any means, but uh, hunting's been fairly dominant the last couple of years. Just getting involved with guiding and, and doing more video work with that stuff. So I keep pretty busy out here. So it seems to me I, I'm I'm leading the witness here. I'm warning you. Okay. <laughs> Seems to me like these elk are like, you know, they're like these big docile, like, you know, turtles. <laughs> they just kind of like walk by and, you know, no big <laughs> yeah, deal. But I can't imagine that's true. There's got to be some hairy situations with these things, isn't there? Well, uh, so we, uh, I kind of, uh, I go after them during archery season when they're rutting. So they're rutting, uh, they're bugling and, um. There's not as many guys out that hunt during archery, so they're just kind of behaving like elk, you know. So, and I, I do a lot of calling, and uh, I, I just like having those interactions with them and responding. So, uh, you know, by the time rifle season comes around, they're kind of they're kind of done doing that thing. Plus, there's a lot more people out there kind of bumping them around. So, that style of hunting, they, uh, you know, they're kind of just hunkering down and avoiding pressure. But uh, yeah, in September when we go after them, they're kind of trying to breed and calling a lot. So we chase them around and yeah, we, we do have some close encounters. I had, but I've never had them act aggressive towards me. I mean, they'll come walking in, but as soon as they realize you're not, no, they'll, they'll take right off for the most part. Not like the ones you yeah. see, you see the videos, the I'm, ones in like Rocky Mountain National Park, goring cars and stuff, but, but those ones don't get hunted at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you're also out there pretty, you know, you're out in the woods. Oh, you're yeah. out in the wild and, you know, stuff oh, can yeah. go wrong. So there's, there's got to be some stories of people getting hurt or getting lost or anything like that. Give me some <sighs> drama. I want to hear, I want to hear, a, I want to hear a good elk story. Mm. Give me one. It doesn't, nothing ever, no other animals or anything or ever, you know, you've, made a call or anything and found out there was something else there or anything you like that. You know, I've never, so far so good. I haven't really gotten lost or oh. uh, uh, no, nothing like that. 
Yeah, it's been it's been pretty uneventful. I I mean, it is something I had to get used to. Things could have could have gone wrong plenty of times. Um, Just growing up, you know, where I did, it was no big deal to take off into the woods without a backpack or water or anything like that, and and just go for a few hours and come back. And I kind of had to let that part of me go out here because you you do you do need to be prepared because something can happen i mean i think i say it every year i'm just like man i'm surprised i haven't you know taken a spill down one of these these like avalanche chutes that we climbed through or rolled an ankle climbing over boulders and it hasn't happened yet but i've started preparing myself more and more in, in case it does well that's i think because you're mindful of it you're probably right. pretty safe and it's you know it's like anything else you get comfortable and um you take something for granted and then before you know it, the statistics catch up to you. And yeah, I think it's I think it was something uh, I was kind of, I felt myself being complacent with at first and then kind of had a couple close calls, you know, kicked a rock out that tumbled all the way down the hill or kind of stepped funny on something or or whatever it was just enough to make me kind of think like, all right, I might, I need to be a little more careful out here and, because you, you can get a long yeah. ways from help pretty quick out here. <laughs> yeah. So, Andrew, one of my, you know, I, I'm looking to get out west uh, uh, more this year, even with COVID and, and stuff. Um, I was planning on maybe, you know, loading up one, one of the trailers and, and heading out there with the kids and stuff, because I think it would be mm-hmm. easier yeah. to drive than fly, and fly. I'm still a little, a little weirded out. We've got COVID's going, starting to go crazy here in yeah County same but, thing here uh, it seems like it's kind of kicking back up with the kids coming back to school yeah but um going back to you got a bunch of you know country bunkins over here in the east and now we're going to talk about going out west here's my biggest thing that i'm always nervous about <laughs> snakes are they? Is it really something to, to worry about? Yeah, They're there, I, man, uh, right? I've I only mean, seen two rattlesnakes, and both have been while I was turkey hunting in the Laramie Mountains, um, east of here. Those are the only snakes I've seen. I haven't haven't ran into. I saw a big bull snake fishing one time, but I I don't believe that they're poisonous. Um, yeah, I haven't haven't ran into them too much fishing, but I fish. I mean, I stay pretty high up in the mountains for most of the summer. I mean, I'm usually fishing. Anywhere from seven to ten thousand feet, and I I don't really see any uh, rattlesnakes anyway below. Oh, I never even thought of that. Is that so? Is that part of it too? The higher you go, yeah. I mean, we we don't have any here around Laramie, and we're at uh, seventy two hundred feet right here. So uh, yeah, as far based on my anecdotal evidence, right around sixty six hundred feet seems to be the cutoff from where I've seen them. Um, But yeah, I've I've never seen Mm. one like on the Platte River, but I know once you get farther down the Platte and you start getting below 6,000 feet, there gets to be quite a bit of them. Right. So what's the recommendation if you're in snake country, you just wear waders and you should be like, if you're wearing Gore-Tex waders. Yeah. And uh, they're not, they're all prairie rattlesnakes around here. So from what I understand, they're not overly aggressive. I mean, these, I say I saw two snakes when I was turkey hunting. I actually stepped directly over both of them. And both times I was almost standing directly on top of them when they started rattling. And the first one I realized was right in between my legs, <laughs> rattling, like kind of standing up. I just jumped to the side and I was like, oh, whoa. And uh, 
yeah, he, he didn't lunge at me or anything like that. But that, I, I've only had two encounters, well, so I'm not saying that's how it how it goes every time. But no, it's not some not something I run into a a whole lot. I kind of I get more yeah. concerned about grizzly bears when I'm out fishing in in certain spots. Not around not around here. Yeah, have you run in? Have you run in no, any? No, I just saw my, uh, my first one from a safe distance in Yellowstone this past summer, so that was nice. But uh, I've seen plenty of signs. So uh, I haven't I... ran into one out fishing yet, though, and that's fine with me. Yeah, I know. I, I ran into one in Yellowstone also. Um, not really ran into him. I was fishing with uh, Pat Ryan, and uh, we, were, we were fishing the Yellowstone, I think. Um, is that is that the river that's in West Yellowstone? You kind of head into the park. I think that's the Yellowstone there river. Um, the yeah, there's a few right over there. But, I haven't been on that west side. I'm, Yellowstone kind of runs almost right through the heart of the it. The point what? Yeah. But we were we were fishing, and then we looked across, so it was probably 200 mm-hmm. yards away, and um, which is you don't realize like how close that is yeah. <laughs> and how big they are, because when you see another animal that's there, so you know, like you like you'll you'll see a bird, and you realize how big that bird is because you've seen it up close, and you see it perspectively next to the bear, yeah. and you're like, holy cow. <laughs> that bear is huge you know and the one i saw was tearing a log apart and was eating grubs and stuff out of the log and it was just i mean he would stick his claw in and and tear up the log and probably the pieces that he was tearing off were like you know one foot by two foot uh you know hunks of hunks of wood and i was like holy cow but i was safe and 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 i was calm and i kind of had a good time just not fishing and watching them and stuff but so you're so that's kind of your thing, right? So I'm worried about snakes. You're right. worried about bears, right? Uh, you know, I'm I'm a decent runner, so if we did see a bear, I think yeah. I could outrun you. So I think I'd be safe. But snakes, you know, uh, I, I I don't I I don't like snakes. But um, so Andrew, I do want to kind of like progress a little bit into um, a a uh, kind of a dichotomy or, or, or the difference of awareness of, of you out there and the Adirondacks here. What's interesting, I'll, I'm going to preface this with, I had two other guests on a podcast recently. Um, one of them was Bobby Helms, lives in Tupper Lake, went out to Alaska, guided in Alaska, and still felt like the Adirondacks were mm-hmm. calling him, and he ended up coming back which is interesting. Another guy that was just, you know, was a teacher in New Hartford and then ended up moving back to Inlet, living in Inlet. I want you to talk for a second. And, and if you don't mind, really think hard about this in regards to kind of spiritual thinking a little bit. The woods out there and the woods here, can you, can you give us an idea? You've chosen to spend more time out there. My guess is it's because you like hunting so much, but, um, you know, explain a little bit about how you still like the Adirondacks or maybe even love the Adirondacks and how and what the differences are. Can you uh, yeah expand um, on that a little bit? That's interesting, too, because it, it is something I've thought about a lot because, you know, when I first moved out here, it was kind of like couldn't couldn't wait to get out type of thing. But growing up, I I honestly really didn't spend a ton of time in the Adirondacks. I uh, 
I kind of, I guess, cut my fly fishing teeth on the, the Sequoia Creek and the Salmon River, which I had great times on. I'm not saying anything bad, but, uh, yeah, I just didn't really, um, the trout power events are honestly the, the most time I've spent up there and especially fishing. So it, in a way it almost feels like I'm kind of still getting my first taste of the Adirondacks. Um, so when you bushwhack the Adirondacks compared to out, out your way, I think personally, I've, I've spent a lot of time mm-hmm. in Labrador and right. that's wild country. Uh, and, uh, dealt with a lot of bears and stuff out there. Um, and actually in Labrador, a lot of the bigger issues are getting hurt because, um, just it's glacially is so young that, um, it, it, there's a lot of moss and stuff. You can really right. get an ankle stuck and stuff, but, um, it's hard to move around. You try to, you try to bushwhack and stuff and get around in the alders and in the Adirondacks and, in in um, the eastern part of Canada, it's really rough. I mean, when you were doing that stuff for to find Lost Brook, there had to be times when you're like, "Holy mm-hmm. shit, this is thick." Oh yeah. Right? I mean, compared to out, compared to out your yeah, way, <laughs> yeah, right? it was a, a lot tougher to navigate than a lot of stuff that I do. But um, that area is kind of one of one of the few spots in New York. Like out here, I get it fairly frequently, and I don't know. It's it's hard to describe, but I'm sure you'll know what i'm talking about is like just getting that a certain distance away from roads and civilization and you just kind of get to that point where you look up you can't hear any cars or planes or anything else and you just just kind of get that feeling of really being out there and uh i never really got that a ton in new york um at least in my you know middle and high school outdoor pursuits um but there i definitely did yeah, up to going on that Lost trip Brook. you did. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's interesting perspective. Um, so, um, how about ambitions and bucket list? I mean, you're you you're uh, you're not married or no kids or anything, right? You're still right, living, well, I'm, uh, I'm engaged, still living right? that life. Married next summer. Yep. Are you? Well, thank wow, you. Wow, good for you! Congratulations! Terrific. Well, it's, but she's a, she fishes too, I've, so. Uh, we got we are kind of on a joint bucket list. That's okay. I would. That's that's fine. I wouldn't judge you if if you know if 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 she didn't. That's fine. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, successful marriages where where the spouses don't have uh, similar interests. But that's cool. Good for you. Glad to hear it. So the Andrew O'Neill bucket list got to be. It's gotta be so long. Exciting. I'm curious to hear this one. <laughs> Let me hear it. Give us, give, give us, give us some, give us some uh, uh, insight into this. <laughs> oh, there's, there's fly fishing, hunting. Um, I think, I think at the top right now, though, still from a movie I saw in 2008 called Eastern Rises is uh, Kamchatka, Eastern Russia. Oh, just because I think oh, my God. for me that kind of epitomizes that really getting out there feeling I was just talking about. I mean, I don't think it gets any higher than that. And uh, the fishing looks pretty good, too. So <laughs> very intrigued by that. So I'd say as far as fly fishing goes, that, that's probably right up at the top of my list. Maybe only rivaled by uh, the Seychelles because um, that just kind of seems like the saltwater version of that. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a 
by the way, there was, if you like movies and stuff, obviously, you know, Eastern Rises, for those of you that haven't watched that movie, that movie with, you know, Frank, Frank Smethers is, uh, if that's how you say his name, yeah. he's like, yeah. he makes the whole film, right? Frank's so, so funny in that whole thing. Um, you guys got to watch Eastern Rises. And then, uh, you know, there was another film about uh, an atoll that was uh, kind of like an undiscovered uh, area for huge Trevally. I don't know if it's on your list, but a big yeah. GT on a oh, fly yeah, for, for me sure. is on my list. No, nope. Have you got one? I have not been anywhere that has you seen GTs them? yet, unfortunately. God, giant Trevally are awesome. And one of my favorite fish to catch in the Florida Keys, my wife, you know, she catches Goliath grouper and tarpon and permit. She's kind of a <laughs> magnet for trophy fish. It's it's good and bad because, like, I get to right. see them, but I never get to catch them. But, um, but man, if you get on, if you get on a hot, a really heated oh, school yeah. of of jacks, that's an angry and they fish. Get, and they get big, and when they get bigger, they mm-hmm. are an angry fast fish. Yep. You're right. They are really fun. I mean, it's like, it's pretty much, you know, it's it's like casting out right. into the throughway <laughs> yeah. and and having your your hook you know catch someone's antenna that's kind of how the take is they're so awesome um all right so so kamchatka russia uh for assuming you know yep. rainbows oh, yeah. and big mice oh, patterns yeah. right that's gotta be all week right, long, that... i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so i was just i just had robin reeve on a podcast we were talking about fishing in labrador and my my best fish was eight Eight, eight, eight and a half pounds, something like that, whatever. Um, and uh, that was on a big streamer, but I've caught a lot of huge, huge yeah. trout on mice, and it is just awesome. So I would say yes. That is another so one's cool. uh, um, Bolivia, then, Golden Dorado. That's that'd probably round out the top three for me. I guess that, I'll leave it at that. Oh, how did you learn about? Not a lot of people really know that much about uh, Golden Dorado. I think Talk I about those first. For a second. I can't remember the name of the first YouTube video I saw on them, but I just, the first time I saw them, I was just, my mind was blown. I mean, like I'm seeing them fish rivers that look, you know, like the, the North Platte or not even a, a tributary to the North Platte flowing through the mountains like that. And all of a sudden you see this 36 inch predatory golden fish come flying out after an eight inch streamer. And I was immediately intrigued. And, um, I, I gotta, I've got to incriminate Mark Usick on this one because Mark and I know a guy that owns a lodge down there as well. Oh, okay. I think, yeah, I think I followed him on Instagram. Um, yeah. And, uh, Mark had a trip. He, all he had to do was pay for mm-hmm. airfare to go there. And then, um, there was some life issues that came up and stuff and he couldn't go and I wanted to go with him. He, they invited me to go too. And I was having, I think I was having Parker at the time. Right. And I'm like, Mark, I can't do this, you know? And, and, um, and ended up not having, but, uh, happening, but that's, I'll have to keep you in the loop on that one. Cause I think that that's going to happen. My wife definitely wants to, wants yeah. to catch some, yeah, some Dorado for sure. Looks awesome. And yeah. They, they look awesome. It kind of combines Absolutely everything awesome. I, so, I love about fly fishing. And, well, and, you know, big predatory fish, kind of the you kind of get that stalking hunting aspect and it all you can do it all on what is basically a small stream so it looks pretty cool yeah yeah it does so um 
switching gears here a little bit, Wait, going can from I, uh, big fish can to your, kind of uh, tranquil. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I don't even know. I would say they'd probably they probably would be similarly the same. However, leading into the next question, um, I there are two there are two things on my bucket list that um, I don't know I don't know the details of, but. The first one is I'm actually going to do a podcast with my friend James Taylor tomorrow. Uh, and James ha- is out in California and uh, I grew up with him. He went to Hamilton College and he has caught some e- enormous oh, really? golden trout in California. Mm-hmm. High, ele- high elevation fishing. And he's a great fisherman, humble guy. And I really want to go out to California and fish with him. And yeah. do a high elevation trip for golden trout. Yeah, that is on my. Cool. That certainly is on my list. Um, the another one is I am and fascinated and and this is I'll, I'm going to tee you up here so you can think about while right. I'm, while I'm babbling. Cut. I really love cutthroats. I just I I love the way they look. Um, you know, Matt Guyman is a is a wonderful photographer. I got a lot of great photos that he's let me use. He's got some great shots of cutthroats. I really want to do like a, a backpack uh, or I should say on a horse, like Yellowstone mm-hmm. backcountry cutthroat trip. And um, not about size. It's simply about the adventure. Um, I think it'd be so co- cool to take a horse uh, in and set up camp on a, you know, and catch cutthroats back there see some moose do some stuff like that i've heard that the back country yeah. yellowstone yeah is I've, really I've awesome. have had my eye on a similar trip uh, for a few years now it just hasn't hasn't materialized um because it's kind of something i i would have to do in the summer and would need you know four or five days consecutively i think at least to do it do it the way i want to but but yeah that yeah. that looks like a a really fun trip and i, I just love fishing up in that yep. area Yes. My, my third one probably would be somehow fishing the Palolo worm hatch yeah. in Alamorada for tarpon. If it even exists. I don't know if it even exists. No, Does I, it even exist? I, I don't know if it's a joke. Is it really true? I did. Off, uh, uh, kinda, you did? I was on like a bay boat, uh, kind of just out for a couple hours type thing. But uh, yeah, I got yeah, I saw I saw the worms. Did you I see them? Fish Did you see the worms everywhere? I didn't I didn't get hooked up to one, but but um yeah, it was yeah, I cast a few. I think there's Did just you cast them? so many worms out there. I mean, how are they going to pick yours out? That's crazy. And I heard that the that the tarpon kind of get drunk on these worms. Yeah. That they just start jumping yeah, for it like seems no like, reason. Yeah, like just, I said we were, we were I was only out for, you know, maybe an hour, but yeah, I've I've been in plenty of situations when the worm hatch wasn't going on and seeing tarpon kind of rolling all over the place in the morning. But yeah, when that worm hatch was going on, it was just a little bit extra. Yeah. And that's an, you know, I'm going to do an, another podcast with um, this time. I'll we'll talk to Rich Burson, who's a good friend of mine down on Rada. He's, he's our guide. When we go down, he's become a really good friend. We did a couple backcountry Everglades trips and caught some bull trout and small tarpon that were up in some of these uh, uh-huh. drainages that kind of come out of the mangroves. And when the tide switches, uh, you know, you, you when you when you're catching tarpon that are like 20, 30 inches long, 
on really light tackle in these mangrove channels that are like 10, 12 yeah. feet wide, you know, it's pretty cool. Um, but I've never had a lot of luck with, you know, it's on my list to get a big tarpon. My wife has had a number of them on. Um, she probably would, would say that I cost her a, probably a 150 pound fish because she was pregnant at the time. She was on the casting platform. She looked like she was not stable and I grabbed her belt and held on to her and I, and I took her off balance and she plucked the fish off, but she had it on a fly and <laughs> she was so pissed at me, Andrew. She was so mad at me. She was, she insisted that it, in hindsight, she should have just fell in the water and right. held on to the fish and she would have too, but you know, well, again, that's, that's, that's how she is. So, so, so for the listeners, man, we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about giant Trevally, Jacks, Dorado, um, you know, fishing in the Seychelles, all this cool stuff. You've seen a yeah, lot I, of awesome places. I'm, huh. I'm working on it, I guess I'd say, <laughs> but I, I've done pretty good so far. <laughs> I think you're doing good. So Andrew, going into the, you know, Teach us for a second a little bit if you've experienced this. And if you haven't, that's fine because I don't know if you're just going for big fish. But small stream fishing out west for cutthroats and stuff like that. You know, J.P. Ross has kind of um, turned into a company of small stream fishing and, and catching, you know, wild fish and adventures and getting outside. Have you had any have, have you had any adventures oh, yeah. like that where you fish oh, yeah. in small streams for cutties or anything like that? Can you talk about the, Can you please teach us about that? Is it? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. I mean, can you still um, do I'd it? I'd say it's you know? probably, um, I mean, if you're looking to kind of get away and not see a ton of anglers, that's probably your best bet, honestly. Um, but how? I mean, do you just park the car well, at the bridge? Uh, I mean, yeah, because that's like? how it would be. I, I don't York, even right? know. I, in the in the Adirondacks, that's what you do. You just you find a place that's not posted. You pull over, and and in Montana, for example, yeah. anywhere there's a bridge, mm-hmm. you can fish. Yeah, it's, it's, you can access. Um, so, so the way I do it is, is talk about similar that. for the small stream stuff. Anyway, um, you know, once you get within the national forest boundaries, you can fish any little blue line you can pick out on your map right there. So, um. What does that mean, though? The national forest boundary. I don't. I don't I'm so. I'm so. You know. Uh, what does that mean? So you go yeah, on a map so we and have, look um, for national forest. Is fifty. That right? uh, I think I want to say over fifty percent of Wyoming is public land, uh, and some of that's checkerboarded that you can't access. But there is a lot of public land and, and long, um, open tracks of national forest. So, um, yeah, if you got, you can just go in, look on a map. Usually, what I'll do is I I'll pick out my main kind of drainage of the fishery that I'm looking at. So in my case, it'd be the plat. And I just start looking at uh, tributaries from there and tributaries to those tributaries. And um, all these national forests out here have, you know, dirt dirt roads, forest service roads that go all through them. So you can access quite a bit, uh, especially with all the old logging roads running through them. So, so mm-hmm. I can come out there, visit you with my Jeep, access get a map and wherever there's yep. national if you forest, can find, can uh, find, you find a little blue go. line that's in the green part of the there's map no... and there's a road going somewhere near it you can just go park right there and walk right down to it and check it out what about it's not gated uh, some it's of them are some from of like lumber are, companies and stuff which is kind of nice though because i mean it, they're gated but you can still 
the only part of the national forest you can't go on is there will be uh, some some active like mining companies and stuff like that, but not really around here. Uh, no, checkerboard is more with uh, BLM about? land and, and ranch land. So that's where um, uh, back in the day when they started selling off um, square mile parcels, they would just do it in checkerboard. So that's uh, that kind of more applies to hunting. That doesn't really get in the way with fishing too much. But um, okay, so all right, so this is this so this is really really good because there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that are going to listen to this. That are going to be interested. So you can go to Wyoming. Fifty percent of the state. Well, is public land, so forest. it's a it's a mix okay. of national forest and national. BLM, but, but yes, mm-hmm. I should say right public public land. So so people that have fought for our freedoms and people and and you're an American, you can you can go on this national public land Correct. area yep. and access it. You have the right to access it. Is that right? Okay. You get a map, you find a you find a tributary to a major river, and you go, huh? You look at the contour lines, you go, oh, this looks like it should be like pocket water and stuff because the elevation is changing a lot. I think I want to go there, and you find a road, and you just and you're right. going to follow the road. Now you might hit a gate, right? And and if you hit a gate, and you can yeah. walk like another mile yeah. to the river, can so you like, walk? So, yeah, national you just forest, can't drive pretty much the only private land you're going to run into is uh, going to be. You know, usually a small square mile chunk where someone might have a private cabin or like a uh, a small chunk that a logging or mining company owns. But there's not many, and they are generally very, very well marked with a lot of posted signs. So you, you can't usually just start on a national okay. forest and stroll onto private land without realizing it. And and I and I assume if you use like yeah, Onyx, oh yeah. Hunt yep. yeah, I'll show you stuff, everything. That's, I use that right? a lot for fishing. Okay. All right. So, all right. Which is a great app. I've taught a lot of, a lot of people about that because I've been using it. It's great. All right. So first of all, thank you for enlightening us on what you could do out there. So that's cool. So you, so you really could go out there, let's just say for a week, take these roads and you probably could, could, yeah, could pack um, in. There's camp there? a lot of um, established campgrounds that usually you have to pay a, you know, three or five dollar fee for, or um, or you can just disperse camp, which is uh, kind of any little pull off you can see where you can set up a tent. Unless it's otherwise marked, you can you can usually uh, just set right up there, which is what I do. Holy cow! Yeah. So, yep. so like primitive camping, right? Yep. Or as long I mean, as you're you not in the way, you can just camp on camp. your back and do that too if you want. All right. Right. Cool. Okay. So now tell us about fishing. Uh, yeah, fishing. quite a Are bit. Um, not Wyoming? so much down in my corner of the state here. They're kind of seem to be more prevalent west of the divide, but um, yeah, they're, they're out here. Uh, so what fish brookies. are in, what fish are in the small streams in your Brookies area? and uh, some small brown, small rainbows, but and they're not really rookies or... at the, at the higher elevation stuff anyway. Are people like against um, and Browns? Here, but they're, they're not, not as, they're okay with it. Uh, there's not as, much, as much animosity towards them, just because we we just don't have that strong of a a cutthroat population here, which is unfortunate. I mean that that's my favorite trout too, but um, but yeah, I know up around Yellowstone, there I think you're required to kill them when you catch them because they've been just so devastating to the cutthroat population there. 
Right. Okay. So, um, so you can do it. And, and if there's, if you, if you find a, a, a stream out there on this land, could there not be fish in it? Or is that, is that generally, yeah, yeah. There usually, might be really small fish I mean, there is ones that are kind of just seasonal streams that are just be, um, you know, melted snow running through them. And then by end of July, they're all dried up. Those ones usually won't have fish, but um, yeah, anything that runs year round, I usually find at least some kind of small brook trout in and, uh, but some of them will surprise you. I mean, some, some of you, they'll come up on a stream, might not be more than two, three feet across and, and see a 16, 17 inch brown trout kick out from under the bank. Um, wow. Do you have pictures of these fish? Yeah, I think I got some of my small stream ones on my Instagram. You gotta, I gotta, I gotta commission you to, to give me some pictures so okay. I can post them up. And I can I'll get, I'll get a, I'll get a little I'll variety get. from like the um, flat and then I would yeah. love to, I'd, and some of the small, get a little folder. Yeah, that would be great. I think we're going to come see it. So my wife and I found, uh, uh, we found a lodge out there in Livingston actually. And I think we're going to go out there. In fact, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. The, the, my plan is to actually lease or whatever rent this lodge for at least mm -hmm. a week, maybe in the spring, maybe also in the fall. Um, it should house like 12 anglers or families. Cause there's a lot of us that also have families, wives and kids, and it should, it'll work. So in other words, you'll sleep 12, but if you have everybody bunking in your room together, you can put four people in the room. But you know, if you were single, then I wouldn't do that. But um, it would really be cool to come see you in Wyoming too. Which I think I, I've heard a, a lot about Wyoming and that it is still very kind of uninhabited and wild yeah. compared to yeah, we're kind of Montana and Colorado. Yeah, is that true? It's interesting you mentioned Montana and Colorado. We're kind of like sitting here right in between them, kind of flying under the radar, which is interesting. I'm not, I'm not too upset about it, but, <laughs> but I. <laughs> No, yeah, I guess the I don't I know the weather not. can be harsh so, here, but uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah my got God, snow you guys got snow in year. July, didn't you, or something? <laughs> That's crazy. So, um, I'm gonna start winding it down a little bit, but Andrew, um, I try not to swear in this stuff, so I'm I'm gonna say, uh, baloney. What is the what is the what is some of the baloney that you're dealing with in regards to like you know people freaking out over you know there's brook trout in there and they're not native or you know there's uh you know the eastern chickadee is here and it's you know we need to get rid of it or whatever like is there any kind of crazy conservation um, stuff going on in Wyoming down around or is me, everybody um, pretty cool you know you don't hear around too much that the the big story has really been those cutthroat in the Yellowstone ecosystem the last couple of years because I don't know if you saw that uh. I had a documentary come out, I think, two years ago. Um, I forgot what it was called. It was this guy who's been uh, working on the uh, working with the Yellowstone cutthroat for years and uh, trying to, you know, just get the populations bolstered again. And uh, they're trying to eradicate lake trout out of Yellowstone Lake, which apparently they've done a pretty good job with because that whole documentary was about them going back into the Yellowstone River where uh it runs into yellowstone lake and seeing if those fish were coming out of their spawning again and i guess they were back in pretty considerable numbers so that was a good success story but um 
No, that does make yes. me wonder about uh, the cutthroat situation around here. If there's, you know, it's something to look into. If there's ever been efforts to restore or reestablish a more significant population, because I've, I've never seen a, a cutthroat come out of the plat personally or any of its tributaries. I've caught one. I shouldn't say that. I haven't seen one come out of the upper plat freestone mm. section. I have caught one out of uh, the Miracle Mile. But. I wonder if there's yeah. an opportunity for trout power to do some work out there. Yeah, that would that would be cool because that is but, my favorite trout. And, yeah, there's you know, I mean it's the the brown trout's the that's what we got around here, which I like too. But uh, it would be cool to have native fish around, more yeah. native fish. Maybe I'll maybe I'll talk to uh, Jillian Beatty. She's on our advisory board. She she's been busy getting her. Uh, becoming a veterinarian, and I wonder if she could reach out to some people in the fisheries department in Wyoming. There's, there's yeah, our, our, there. uh, our chapter of we'll trout about that. So, kind of been, um, all right, know, Andrew. Since I've been living out here, it's it's changed hands a couple times, and and I don't think much has happened with it. So, yeah, it's something to look into more. So, yeah, I will. So Andrew, I'm gonna I'm gonna close this up a little bit with a pretty provocative <laughs> right. question, and I don't think I you're gonna know I how to answer to it. Some podcasts before this, you so may kind of uh, questioning you were. <laughs> no, no, this is no, this it's not really okay. provocative. It's just it's you just might not have the answer. So so Andrew, you have not mm-hmm. spent a lot of time in the Adirondacks. Your parents still live here, right? You know. So if I were going to set up an adventure for you to come to the Adirondacks and enjoy and experience the Adirondacks kind of the way that you did before, what would be, what would, what would you want me to do to outfit you and give you an experience in the Adirondacks? I think I want to go, I don't know. I've seen some pictures of you guys taking canoes back in some pretty cool looking brookie areas up there. That, That looks like the type of thing that's right up my alley. I'm think. Yeah, did you see, did you see the Oswegatchie, uh the Gotch trailer that I did where Mark and I went into the I don't know if, the I don't know if I River? did. That was uh, it, that was awesome. We did 30 miles of river in three days. We hit the headwaters. I happen to I happen to be a member of uh, this club in Tupper Lake where we can access the upper stretches of the Oswegatchie. So let me tease you with this. Let me, let me give you, mm-hmm. let me give you some dream material here. Okay. There's this, there's this river called the Oswegatchie river and there's a falls on it. And, uh, the, a lot of people go to the falls to hike, which makes sense. Right. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a little story about the Oswegatchie river. And then, I'm, and then I want you to come okay. and fish this with me. Cause when you hear the story, you're going to love it. So we, we had a, we had to go down one of the logging trails, logging roads, bushwhack with a uh, canoe on our back. I will send you a link to the Oswegatchie movie that I did because I was trying to be like Andrew O'Neill to make a movie, but I, I, no one can be, no one can be you. So, uh, but I am inspired by you. So I, I tried to make a movie. Um, we, Mark carried the canoe. I carried the gear. Uh, we, um. We had a, f- a friend of ours uh, who took us into to the Oswegatchie and knew how to get there, and we fished, and, and I'll tell you more about it. But 
So we got, we dumped the, the canoe in and it was, the water was so skinny in regards to the upper stretches of the upper headwaters of the Oswegatchie River that there were sections where we had to get out and push the canoe through the river. The river was as wide as the canoe, but the water <laughs> with our waders on was up to our freaking nipples. Okay. So it's like, it's. Four feet wide, okay? We're pushing the canoe, and, and Mark and I are doing the moonwalk, <laughs> kind of you know what I mean? Yeah. When you hold on the canoe, and you like, you know what I mean? You're kind of floating, kind of floating, but kind of touching. So so we're so we're getting through this, and we caught – boy, I wish Yusick was on this podcast with us. If we didn't catch – God, if we didn't catch 100 brook trout, uh, then I'm – I'm a I'm I'm a terrible storyteller when it comes to this, but there were just brook trout everywhere, and then and beaver dams. When it comes to beaver dams, we went over at least fifty beaver dams on the way to the falls. Okay, we saw no one because nobody could access right. this unless you had access from the private land, which I have access to. Okay, now. We're catching all these brook trout, and of course, the story goes that there's no brook trout up there. If they are, they're stocked, blah, 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 right? So you know how trout power works. We took DNA samples and proved that the fish up there still had – they were not 100% genetically pure, but there was not much stocking influence to the fish up there, which was awesome. Make a long story short, we get to the falls, which is kind of a tourist attraction, right? We get out, we pour. Now we've spent two days in the woods. We've heard owls. We've, we've listened to trees fall in the middle of the night. Never mm-hmm. saw anybody. It was just awesome. We get to the falls. We carry that. We carry our canoes on the path. And <laughs> here's some young kid walking <laughs> barefooted. Okay. With a fedora, with a, with a, with a pack on. And and Mark and I look at each other like, well, <laughs> I guess we're back to civilization, right? Like, who the hell, who the hell is gonna is gonna? I mean, if you really are gonna be in the woods, you're not gonna walk right. barefoot because you know, like, if you get caught and you get an infection, like, you're dead, you know. But this kid was having like the nature experience, wearing a fedora, like you know, and and walking barefoot, and he's and he stunk. I mean, like, he walked by us and he just reeked. And we both looked at each other like, you know what? We're just gonna we're just gonna get drunk for the rest of the trip. And um, we caught one bur- one brook trout below the falls, so it was like stupid easy to catch brook trout above the falls. And then uh, then there was the experience below the falls. Now, the reason I think you would enjoy this trip is if you did two days with us fishing the upper stretches of this, and then you can pretty much hightail it out. If you time it right, you can get out in the last day. We actually spent the third night mm-hmm. in the middle between the falls and the takeout, which I would, I really would, I really would recommend because right. you get the reflection <laughs> of all the the morons that you see. And I'm not, and I am not kidding you. You get to the falls, and there's a kayaker like around every bend, and there's at least a, right. and there's at least a hundred bends, and and you see nobody above it. So um, that was. It would be really fun to take you there. And there's a lot of other places we could take you to. And we didn't spend a lot of time fishing, but if we had somebody like you that is good at fishing and we could yeah. take our time, yeah, I bet we could that sounds awesome. that sounds find like some really huge fish. And in that way, I could uh, 
probably res- uh, reciprocate in the way of uh, putting together something for your uh, Western Cutthroat trip. Oh yeah, that would be so. <laughs> I think it sounds I, it like sounds we're working like on we, something here. We may have an accord here, huh? We may have a deal. Well, everybody, that was about the tail end of our podcast with Andrew O'Neill. We had a little bit of uh, audio issues with some echoes and stuff, but the point is, is we've got a friend out in Wyoming, and it sure seems like I think it's going to be uh, a little bit of a this for that or favors shared and adventures planned so look forward to more of that in the future i hope you enjoyed this podcast with andrew uh i'm going to put some links in for free flow uh, his company he's super talented great guy and thanks so much for listening have a great day